Welcome back to another episode of Everything Aviation Podcast. On this episode, we have Sam Ekholm talking to us. Sam is an officer in the US Air Force, and he is a member of the F-22 Raptor display team. Sam talks to us about his time at the US Air Force Academy, his fun adventures when he was coming through, and his time and the opportunities that he got to go through, and then his time with the F-22 Raptor team also, and some of the coolest things he has done in the military. All that needs for you now is to sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Sam, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Mikey. I appreciate it. No problems at all. So, Sam, just just a quick background for the listeners. You are in the U.S. Air Force. You're a public affairs officer, but you've got a really cool posting at the moment, which is you are part of the F-22 Raptor demo team. We'll come on to that. We'll speak. We'll talk to you a bit of off air about it, which is, is fantastic. And we'll, we'll come on to that. But first of all, I want, want to give you a bit of, bit of background on yourself and what made you want to go into the military and what made you want to go and serve as an officer for the United States Air Force. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm still trying to figure out the best way to answer that question. I get asked it all the time. I think there's a lot of different contributing factors to me wanting to join. But if I were to boil it all down to one, it probably started with my dad. So my dad went to the Air Force Academy himself. He flew tankers in the Air Force. And he actually now flies for American Airlines um, in the Airbus. So growing up, I always heard stories of him talking about his time at the Air Force Academy, jumping out of airplanes as a college kid, going to survival training. Like, you know, some kids maybe grow up dreaming about that typical college experience, joining a fraternity or something. And for me, I was like, no, like, I want to get sent to the woods like, I want to, like, fly. I want to do all that. Um, and so I set my goal when I was in high school, like a freshman in high school. Um, I was like, I'm going to go to the Air Force Academy. So <laughs> to flash forward a little bit, um, hearing what my dad went through, it kind of, you think you're ready for it, but once you actually get there, it kind of hits you like a train. So um, it was definitely a culture shock for sure. But I guess to sum it all up, you know, I had a lot of influence from my dad. Um, he helped me get there. Like, I, I just want to kind of be like him. You know, I just wanted to do something different than all my friends were doing. And I know that the Air Force Academy is, it's a school like none other, right? Like, it really sets you up for the rest of your life. Like, you graduate, you have a guaranteed job. You're an officer in the Air Force. If you want to fly, you can do that. If you don't, you can do one of dozens of other career fields travel the world. I mean, it really checks all the boxes for what I was looking for. And, and now looking back, it's definitely something that I, I don't regret. That's brilliant. Cause I, I hear even myself, you say you want to do something from different that your mates have not done and stuff. And even my mates are they're in jobs that they regret and all that. So it's fantastic to hear your passion about it. And that's something that you've come out the other side of and thought, yeah, this, this is for me. This is what I want to do. Um, so you graduated in 2018. Uh, how long, how long was your course? Yeah, so the academy, you can think of it as like a normal four-year university, right? So we actually have like a division one football team, basketball team, all that. So it has similar characteristics like a normal, you know, college or university, right? Um, so it's four years. It's located in Colorado Springs. So it's like nestled in the mountains there. If you're into skiing, it was really cool. We were like three hours from like Breckenridge and some of the coolest ski slopes in Colorado. So uh, when we're upperclassmen, we could head out there and enjoy a little bit of what Colorado had to offer. But yeah, so it's four years. Um, <laughs> once you graduate from high school, so in the U.S., you graduate usually typically around, you know, May or June, and then you ship out to basic cadet training like four weeks later. So I didn't really get a summer after my senior year in high school. I was immediately like on a plane before I knew it, getting off the bus and getting yelled at, um, learning how to make a bed, learning how to wear the uniform, learning how to salute. It was a culture shock for sure, but it was exciting, right? I had looked forward to that for, you know, 
essentially the last four or five years, just wait until the day I could be a cadet. And then, yeah, it's four long years, kind of freshman year is the hardest part, right? They'll always talk about, you know, as a freshman, you're the one that you got all the regs and standards. You know, we weren't even allowed to wear a backpack. We couldn't walk to class. We had to run and square our corners. You had to eat at attention. You weren't really allowed to wear civilian clothes for the entire year. You couldn't go off base that much. But you know that entire time that once you make it to sophomore year, you start earning your privileges of rep back. You start becoming a human again. Um, so some of my best memories throughout the academy were that were that freshman year for sure. That's brilliant. Uh, I, I know I know what you mean. I did a, a former life a while ago. Um, I was on selection with the Royal Navy. We uh, I know exactly what you mean. It's called they they used to call it character building. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, all all the, all the fun stuff that they do. Um, yeah, so, lots of character was built for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's always a good sign. <laughs> They're doing the right job. So, right, right. so you 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 join that and then you come out as, as, as an officer in the, in the military and in the U.S. Air Force, uh, what, what rank do you come out at? Yeah, so you come out as a second lieutenant, so that's the lowest rank in the Air Force, but you're an officer, right? So it's awesome. You go to school, you go for four years, and the way they have the curriculum laid out, it's kind of like each year is a building block. So you start out as a freshman, you're cadet first class, you don't really have any leadership responsibilities. Your job is to just learn a little bit about the Air Force, be a sponge, soak things up. And then when you become a sophomore in your second class year, you get a little bit of a leadership experience. You get a couple freshmen under you that you're in charge of mentoring, you know, taking care of. You get a job that you get to run within your squadron of cadets. And then once you become a junior, that increases more. You can become an element leader. So maybe you'll have 20 or 30 cadets under you. And then by the time you're a senior, you can apply for a position to run the entire cadet wing of 4,000. Or, you know, you can be a flight commander and run, you know, a squadron of, you know, 30 or 100. It doesn't matter. Um, I actually had the opportunity to be a squadron commander when I was a senior. So I was leading like 130 people, marching them in front of formation, that type of thing. And it was one of the most rewarding, most valuable experiences I've had. Kind of made it all worth it. And then the goal is, you know, once you graduate, once you throw your hat in the air and the Thunderbirds, you know, fly right over you on graduation day, that you're ready to lead. Um, and so, you know, our class spreads out to one of any number of Air Force bases all across the world and a number of different career fields. And, you know, you're, you're responsible for being a leader. You're an officer in the U.S. Air Force. That's absolutely fantastic. And it, it's mad to think. I don't know if it's just me now, but it's mad to think of like at the age of... 2021 you're in charge of 130 people under you which is fantastic and like you said it really does build leadership doing that um and what kind of as you're coming up through the stages of the uh, academy what would kind of opportunities come up because you you did a parachute course didn't you yeah (laughs) i did that was a huge reason i went not just the parachute but just the opportunities in general so the big ones the academy likes to you know say is you get to obviously do the jump program. So they say it's the only place in the world where your very first jump is completely on your own. There's no tandem. There's no instructors jumping next to you. You throw yourself out of the airplane. You pull your own chute and you land on your own. Um, it's called yeah Airmanship 490 is the program. You actually earn your basic parachutist badge that you can wear on your uniform for the rest of your career, which is really cool. But I was 18 years old. I had just finished my freshman year in college. And literally, we go through 30 hours of ground training out at the Academy Airfield. Um, The Wings of Blue, which is the cadet parachute team. It's actually the official Air Force parachute team. They're teaching us, you know, all the emergency procedures, what to do if something should go wrong. And then, you know, two days later, we're going up on a Twin Otter and we... (laughs) 
get to, I don't know, it was like 8,000 feet, 10,000 feet. And, and we just jump out of the plane and it was crazy. And I just remember all the training, you know, went right out my head. Like I was flailing like crazy. I was like, what is going on? And I remember I pulled my chute and I didn't know what side or where I was, or I don't know what was going on, but luckily I made it and, uh, ended up doing four more and getting my, uh, my parachute badge. And then a few months ago, I actually had the chance to go back to the Academy and, and do a tandem with the, with the jump team. So we went way higher and I free fell for like a minute and that was awesome. Um, so yeah, props to those guys. So that's one of the big opportunities. The other one you can do is, is the soaring program. So they literally let cadets, you know, uh, solo in a glider, right? You're flying all throughout the mountains in Colorado above the campus. And then you can be an instructor pilot there. So if you want to stick with the program, you can train up other freshmen, you know, once you're a junior and senior, and you'll literally be an instructor pilot in a glider. Now there's soaring teams, soaring acrobatic teams. Um, we've got a flying team that, you know, will fly Cessnas, that type of thing. Um, and outside of that, I mean, the opportunities really are endless. So um, I got to go, you know, spend some time at West Point in the Naval Academy. I had multiple friends do semesters abroad at other countries' military academies. You know, we had British cadets come over here. Um, uh, they send cadets internationally and across the Air Force on a program called Ops Air Force, which is after your sophomore year. And that just gives you, a, you know, kind of an understanding of what goes on in the real Air Force. It's just an opportunity to learn. And then kind of I'd say one of the most rewarding things I got to do is once you're a junior and senior, you're the actual ones that are working the basic training for the freshmen. So when you're a freshman, you're going through basic training, having seniors and juniors scream at you and teach you the ways, you know, let you how to be a cadet. And then it's your turn to run it. So I had an amazing opportunity to do that when I was a junior and and got the chance to help, you know, take some high schoolers that were fresh off a bus that didn't know how to salute or right from their left and, you know, made them into cadets that, that uh, you know, are now actually seniors at the Air Force Academy right now. So it's pretty cool. That, that sounds very, very cool. And it, they sound like amazing opportunities that you don't get in the civilian world or outside of, of, of what you do. Is there a point, you, know, you, you talk about the, the freshmen getting off the bus, is there a point when you get off that bus and you think, oh no, what have I just done? <laughs> Yeah, that happened to me very quickly. Um, so the way it works at the academy is you, you literally, I, you're on a bus. You can watch videos of this on YouTube too. And uh, you know, senior, uh, you'll take one turn and then they just start yelling at you, you know, like asking all these things that you can't possibly answer right. And then you head down the steps of the, bu um, the bus and you get on what we call the footprints. And it's right at the base of this famous ramp at the Air Force Academy on the ridge of the, the Rampart Mountain Range. And they, you know, they just grill you, right? It's your first introduction to like military style. And it's kind of one of those things. You don't know how long you're going to stay on those footprints. You could get lucky and they could let your group go on really quickly. And then you go in process and do your medical stuff. Or you could be out there for a long time. And I was unfortunately one of those cadets that was out there for a long time. I didn't even keep messing up. It was just like they would call the group right behind me and the group in front of me or someone didn't see me. So I might have the record for the longest time spent on those footprints in academy history. I swear I do. I was there for like an hour just getting yelled at and yelled at. So my very first day, which by the way, they called day zero, not even day one, um, was crazy. <laughs> that sounds brilliant. And then after that, did you settle in fairly quickly or was it um, a kind of a couple of weeks where you're thinking, have I still done the right thing? Yeah, the goal is just to make it to the academic year. So basic training six weeks long. That was the longest six weeks of my life. You're waking up every morning. I think they don't tell you what time it is. You don't have your phone. It's probably it was around 430 in the morning when I was, you know, on the other side working it and 
It's not like you get your phone and you have an alarm and it's like, all right, wake up now. No, like they are screaming with whistles. They have like fog horns and megaphones. They are banging on your door. It is like a war zone. And that's how you get woken up every single morning for six weeks. And like, I thought I was confident. I didn't think I got flustered, but it is really hard to like even tie your shoe when you have a huge senior like decked out in their military uniform screaming at you every two seconds you know right when you wake up so yeah i was definitely like what did i get myself into for sure there's me thinking it was just bad when my mom switched the light on and for school but giving me warning first that's <laughs> right exactly yeah it made me you know be thankful for all the times i got mad at my mom when i was like oh i don't want to go to school why'd you wake me up like god i would have done anything for that <laughs> <laughs> I love us mothers. I would have them. Right. <laughs> so you you had the opportunity then, while you were still in in the academy, to go and work with a congressman up at Capitol Hill. I did. Yes, that was another opportunity. Um, they allow cadets to do what's called CSERP, which is Cadet Summer Research Projects. And, you know, they've got a number of them that are sponsored through the Air Force Academy. We can go work for like Boeing or Lockheed or some sort of engineering, you know, group, which is really cool. And you get to learn. For me, I was a legal studies major at the Academy. So, you know, I actually at one point thought I might go to law school and be in the JAG Corps, which is like the Air Force's like lawyers. Um, I did like the mock trial team, too, so I got to compete against other schools, like kind of fake court was really, um, really interesting. But yeah, so after my junior year, I um, kind of found my own research project. So when you apply for the Air Force Academy, you have to get a nomination from a U.S. congressman, U.S. senator, or the vice president to go. Um, and so my congressman, where I grew up in Dallas, Texas, who nominated me, um, had an internship program to go work for him on Capitol Hill throughout the summer. And, you know, as a legal studies major, you know, this interested me. And so I pitched it to the academy and they were like, yeah, Sam, that's that's awesome. So I applied. I got accepted. And so for eight weeks, I went to Georgetown, you know, in Washington, D.C., and I was working on Capitol Hill. I was giving tours, you know, to constituents of the Capitol. I was working on policy. I was getting to sit in different meetings. Um, it was really like awesome to me. I'd say it kind of helped me make up my mind that I didn't want to get into politics. I just realized it wasn't for me, um, but it was an amazing opportunity. And yeah, that was really cool that the Air Force kind of funded and let me do that for a summer. That's brilliant, because I was going to say, there's not many people that I certainly know of that have ever said they've gone up and to work for the congressman in, in Capitol <laughs> Hill, like the, in right. Washington, D.C., which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, another amazing opportunity that comes out of the academy um, that, that you've, you've said you said yourself. Um, so then you, you're, you've won, once you've done all that, you're coming to the end of your time in the academy. What's next? Yeah, so... At the Air Force Academy, when you're a senior, it's actually, I guess, towards the end of your junior year, you have to put in your job preferences. That's like the time to say, hey, what am I going to do after I graduate? Now, I wish it was as simple as whatever you say you want to do, you get to do. But of course, like there's a big board. It's like, you know, it's merit based. So the better your class ranking is, the more chance, you know, the better chance you have of getting a job you want. So I worked really hard throughout my four years because I knew that I wanted to get a job that I wanted and I didn't want to get shoved somewhere that I, you know, didn't think I'd enjoy. So you may be wondering, you know, I said earlier on this podcast that, hey, I wanted to be a pilot. I went to the Air Force Academy to fly. Um, you know, my dad flew, all that type of thing. It was probably around my junior year where I kind of realized that I didn't want to fly. And it was for a number of reasons. I love aviation. Like that hasn't changed. But for me, the way it works in the Air Force is if you go to pilot training, you essentially owe a 12-year time commitment, right? So it's 12 years that you are locked in um, and you, you, you can't get out, right? The Air Force owns you. Which for people that are like 100% want to fly, 
Like, that's really not a problem to them. I mean, that's great. But for me, I was a little hesitant about that. I didn't know if I wanted to stay in the Air Force for 12 years. Um, and also at the same time, the Air Force Academy is what I like to call it. It's like a breeding ground for pilots. Like, pretty much everyone there, like, wants to be a pilot or, you know, tries to get a pilot slot. And I just have always been the kid, just like in high school, who wanted to do something different. I kind of wanted to do something a little bit different, a little bit different than my family had done, my dad, my friends. Um, but I didn't know what that was. So I mentioned earlier how the Air Force sends us on what's called Ops Air Force, which is that program I was talking about where you go to an Air Force base somewhere in the world. So I went to Travis Air Force Base, which is located in California. And when I was there, I got to shadow this career field called public affairs. And I spent about, I think it was like a week straight, like in their public affairs shop, learning everything about it. And I tell you what, I had no idea existed. I walked in those doors and they had airmen like writing stories, editing videos, shooting photos. Um, oh. I got to do a one-on-one -on -one interview with the base commander um, and like write a story in their base paper. They had, you know, like NFL football team was there too, like doing a base visit and public affairs was out there doing a story, covering it, meeting the team, meeting the players. Um, and I was like, wow, this is really cool. Like I've always been a people person. I love to talk. I love to, you know, be out in front and I love to do recruiting for the Air Force, all that type of stuff. I love to write. I love doing social media. I was like, this could be a really cool job. The only problem is it's a really small career field. So there's only like five slots offered out of the academy every year. So to make a long story short, you know, luckily I had worked hard throughout my four years. I was in a good position, good ranking in my class. I put public affairs number one on my list. And of course now, you know, you know, I did get public affairs. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of the decision that made there, but yeah, that's kind of what happened next, right? I got PA, I graduated and I got stationed at my first base, which is Langley Air Force Base, um, which is where I am now. I'm actually about to head out in two weeks in my next assignment. Um, which is getting finalized now, so I can't say anything yet. But um, yeah, it's been a ride for sure. <laughs> That's brilliant. And so your your first posting was was straight out to to Langley. It was so again the same way it works with getting your jobs in the Air Force. You also put in your preferences for bases. And so for me, I put Langley Air Force Base number one on my dream sheet. And that was for a number of reasons. One, the main reason is in public affairs, you want to be at a base where there's a lot of stuff happening. That's kind of what the career field depends on. If you're at a base in the middle of nowhere that doesn't do much, then you're not really going to do much. So at Langley Air Force Base, it's, it's the oldest active duty base in the Air Force. Of course, they have the F-22 Raptor station there. Air Combat Command is headquartered there, which is a four-star headquarters, and they're in charge of all the fighter jets and kind of that fighter capability in the Air Force. So it's a big base. It's important. It's a couple hours from D.C., so there's a lot going on in the area, and I knew that it'd keep me busy. I knew that the opportunities would be incredible. And, um, yeah, I mean, obviously looking back now is an amazing opportunity. I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't be where I am right now if I, if I didn't work hard at the Academy, you know, obviously that allowed me to get public affairs, allowed me to get Langley and then, you know, allowed me to do what I'm doing now. I absolutely love it. That's fantastic. I love your dedication and the, the passion that you're talking about it as well. So you've gone to Langley. You mentioned the F-22 Raptor station there. Now, for those of us listening, the F-22 Raptor is a stealth fighter, uh, one of the most awesome fighters um, that I've ever had the privilege of seeing. Never, not never seen up, up close, seen in on videos and stuff like that. So, and you managed to get a position on the F-22 Raptor demo team. Yes. So... Yeah, I don't know if people, I've said this before, but I actually didn't know what the F-22 demo team was. Like, I didn't even know it existed kind of before I got there. 
And, you know, maybe that hopefully that's changed now with obviously my work doing social media. Hopefully people know, you know what the F-22 demo team is. But I remember I got to Langley and I was doing just normal public affairs work like on the base at the wing level. And we had like unit PT in the morning, physical training. So it was like 6 a.m. It was like 630 or something. And we were running like around the base has a big track that goes around the uh, the runway around the airfield. Um, and the demo team was practicing in the morning. It was our old demo pilot, Loco Lopez was his name, and they were practicing. And uh, I remember just running, and like an F-22 is literally just raging above me, like full burner, like pulling nine Gs, like doing their whole demo. And I was like, what is this, and how do I get on that team? Um, so that was my first kind of introduction to the team. So I remember I went home, and I looked them up, and I was like, wow, this is cool. And my public affairs shop told me that the team was looking to bring a full-time public affairs officer on. Brilliant. Yeah, to help run, um, obviously, the, the big three we call it in PA. So the social media, which is like photography, video work, the community relations, which is, you know, managing, you know, all the engagements that happen, whether that's speaking engagements, whether that's, you know, doing flyovers, like air shows all around the world, and then media. So, right. So, like, you know, working to get interviews for the team, like getting their platform out there, you know, telling the story. Um, and so I kind of like raised my hand. I was like, hey, guys, I know I'm new, but... Um, you know, I think I could do a good job at this. You know, I didn't mention it, but I had always kind of had a passion for photography and video stuff. I wasn't great at the time, but I was like, hey, I think I can, you know, use what I have and I think I can get even better and I think I could do this job well. So my office was like, hey, we'll send you up. And I actually went to an interview in front of the demo pilot, Loco Lopez and uh, our their superintendent. And yeah, I got hired on for the team. I guess it was about two years ago. Um, and wow, that was that was crazy for me. I had graduated from the academy only a few months before, um, and then got to my base and, and was able to get a get a spot in the F twenty two demonstration team. That's so so cool. Um, it's, it's like you said, I know we've like um, we've got the the red arrows over here. Yeah, they're awesome. By the way, we've been to so many shows with the red arrows. Like, I love them. Andy, who just retired, you know, red big one, um, red one. He's awesome. So yeah. Yeah, were you part of that um, when they did the tour of America? Yes, I was. They came to a few shows with us, and then you know I'm from Dallas, so I was talking to them when they did their big flyover Texas. They flew over the Air Force Academy. Um, You know, we went to several shows with them, and and they're amazing. Their social media team was incredible to work with. Their pilots, their their energy. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's so many amazing performers in the air show community, but the Red Arrows for sure are ones that stood out to me. And you know, I hope once COVID's over and everything, they come back and and we go over there too to to you know Riyadh or whatever and just have a great time. So. I was gonna, that's one of the questions I'm going to ask is actually, did you plan on bringing the F-22 over to Ireland or even to England for, for Riyadh at any stage? Yeah, I mean, I know they were there a few years back. We always send like a team, usually it's like the F-16 or something. Just because the F-22 is so, I mean, it costs a lot to fly. We only have 180 something of them. Typically right now, we're only going to air shows if we have jets like in the AOR in the region. Um so I don't know. I mean, hopefully they'll come back soon. I I know all the fans over there are constantly DMing our team. I'm answering like feels like a dozen questions a day is like when we're gonna come to Riyadh. Um, but hopefully soon. That would be awesome. That would be brilliant because I've got tickets booked for next year. So it'd be really really <laughs> cool to see them there. Yeah. Um, so what is the coolest thing you've done with the team? Because I've seen videos and pictures that that you've put on social media of you standing at the back of a ramp of a massive massive cargo plane and having yeah. video on this f-22 that's literally from me to you uh, from the screens away right yeah that's uh, i just did one recently which was really awesome but 
I kind of tell this story like it was only my like second or third air show ever. So I was still figuring out like what the heck I was doing. And um, we were at a show in South Carolina. I was at a Marine Corps base and the Blue Angels were performing there, which this is my first show with the Blue Angels. Like as a kid, I like idolized the Blue Angels. I was like, oh, my God, this is the coolest thing ever. So I get to the show and like it was really cool that they were they were flying there. So I remember I went to our hotel like we it was I think it was like a Thursday night. You know, I was just at the hotel. I was looking through some of the photos I had taken that day and I get a call from our demo pilot. Loco Lopez is his name. Um, and Loco is like, hey, Sam, how you doing? I was like, hey, I'm good. What's up, Loco? And he's like, hey, I need you to be here in the morning at 10 a.m. He's like, bring your cameras. And I was like, oh, man, what are we doing? And so <laughs> turns out I show up the next morning and I walk into this room and the entire Blue Angels team is there. Right. And they're in a briefing room and they're briefing like a photo flight, like a photo, like a mission that's going to take place. And the reason I didn't know about this ahead of time is because it was only going to be like civilian only. And I didn't know if they were going to have a spot for me. But it turns out there was. So literally from the time I showed up to that briefing, like an hour later, I'm walking up the back door of like a Casa 212 and we are, it's like an F-22 Blue Angels dissimilar formation photo flight. So I'm hanging out the back door of this plane, like over the coast of Carolina, the Blue Angels, like entire like Delta, like Diamond, like are all just like there and the F-22 is on top. Like I'm like waving at Loco, our pilot in the Raptor. This is the first time they'd ever done like a photo flight like this. And I'm just taking as many pictures as I can. And that was crazy. It was the craziest thing in the world to be like that close, to have that access. Um, and those photos went everywhere too. That kind of started, you know, me making a little bit of a name for myself also, you know, taking those photos and having that opportunity. So I owe a lot to Loco, the team, for giving me that chance. But, you know, I've had a few other instances of being able to do those aerial shoots like that, which are incredible. They're amazing. Um, so, yeah, that's for sure one of those highlights. That's fantastic. And it, just, just even thinking about that, you know, you see it on video, but I can't even begin to imagine what it must be like for yourself standing there on the edge of that ramp, looking at, at this happening right in front of you, which is is, is absolutely fantastic. Um, so you, you get to travel, um, obviously, around the whole of the US with the F-22 team. Where's the coolest place that, that you've been to uh, with the team or the best air show that you've gone to? Yeah, so that's a tough question to answer because you kind of have to look at it like through a public affairs standpoint, like I'm running social media, I'm doing photos, I'm doing videos. So I want to show that like has a lot going on, you know, I want the weather to be good so we can get good vapes on the jet. But if we're like talking like pure location wise, probably it's like a three-way tie between Dubai, Singapore, and actually Alaska. Um they were just amazing. Like it's cool to especially go international because we don't interact with those fans. I'm like, I'm talking to them all virtually, but we do so many shows in the States. These international shows only get once every three, four years. If that, like for Singapore is the first time ever to see us fly. So those fans are literally like freaking out. Like the Raptors, that like mysterious airplane that no one really knows about, but like it's the most dominant like fighter in the world. So to see that thing fly is incredible. And the fans just loved it. And like, they were like looking at us in our black uniforms, like treating us like celebrities. It was crazy. Um, but like also the the small town shows too are really cool. Like we went to um, Effie Warren Air Force Base in like Cheyenne, Wyoming, middle of nowhere, right? It's like, what's going on? It's like a missile base. But that community, like the community loves the military. It's like everyone there is like super, super supportive and like had a big turnout and there was just a lot going on. And, you know, I enjoyed that too. So 
Um, yeah, you definitely get, I've been everywhere. I've probably gone on, I think it's like 60 air shows in the last two years. And all those is, yeah, like four countries, like, um, every state in the U S pretty much. So, wow. Yeah. That's a tough question to answer. I was going to say, that's a lot of, of <laughs> air shows to go to. And especially, in, does it ever get boring or does, does the awe ever wear off? Um, I mean, no to answer your question but like i try to keep it like i try to look for something different at every show which is challenging when you've done like i've seen the f-22 performance probably 500 times by now um so i know exactly what i'm looking for but no i mean once that plane takes off we do a like pull straight into the vertical and take off it's like it is incredible um but also what's really cool at the shows is we'll have different performers you know we'll have like the red arrows come or the snowbirds thunderbirds blue angels you know one of a million different like civilian performers like in singapore like we had you know their team in dubai we had the emirati team perform like it's just cool to see what other countries can bring what other like acts are out there but now the f-22 i don't think it gets old to anyone I love that. Even though the F thirty five is out there, would would you would you say which which is a cooler display? Oh man, like I love the F thirty five demo team, but um, you can't beat the Raptor, right? We've got the thrust vectoring. Also, you know, they kind of look to our demo for inspiration when building theirs because they've only been around for the last two years for their air show season, and so there's a lot of similarities. But they, no, they're amazing. Their team's incredible. I love the F thirty five. That jet is loud, like from a photographer standpoint they got constant vapes coming off that jet it looks beautiful when it flies um but there's a couple maneuvers you know in particular that we can do like the tail slide the the real pedal turn like spinning 360 through the air the power loop with the thrust vectoring nozzles like you can't beat the f-22 no i have to say it does really sound amazing absolutely amazing now i haven't had the privilege of seeing a, a display yet but i do hope to hope to get that under my belt um with your display team and everything like that is there a limit to how many years you can do on a team or can you just just keep staying on the team as long as they want you no in fact that's an interesting question i remember i was talking to the red arrows team and a couple of their guys are um are appointed you know indefinitely right i don't know if those guys are like military or civilian but for all the Air Force teams, it's it's typically a two-year gig. So you'll do two years on the team, and then you'll rotate back out. That way, you know, you're still serving in the Air Force the way they need you. You're not just doing one thing for forever. Because um, of COVID this year, a couple of the team members are doing an extra year, but that's just because this year has looked a little bit different. But no, so it's two years mostly, and then you kind of got to get back and, and do something else. Back into the real world, as they say. Yeah, for, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, you are saying about the Red Arrows, they... Um, they change a third of their display team every year and uh, yeah, gotcha. down out and three new guys coming in and um, that's why i was just wondering was it the same across the pond for um for you yeah. guys yeah um, pretty much gives other people opportunity to get in so the f-22 demo team started first year was 2007 so you know we switch pilots every two years so we're now on our like what sixth or seventh pilot or something um which is really cool. You know, you got people like me who want to join and, you know, I'm sure people after me will do a great job too. And so it's cool that the Air Force always has those opportunities. You know, people are coming and going, makes it a little bit challenging, I'd say, because you'll like make friends with someone and then it's like every two years you got to move to a new spot. Kind of, that's one of the rare downsides of the Air Force, but um, yeah, it's still awesome. It, 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 I have to say it does really, really sound awesome. And your latest one, so you, you mentioned earlier, you were down in Fort Lauderdale uh, with, the, with the F-22 uh, doing their air show. And you, I find this really, really cool. You had the opportunity um, to to see the the Heritage flight. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So the Heritage flight is a really cool thing that the Air Force does. It started in the late '90s, and 
the foundation, it's actually an Air Force Heritage Flight Foundation. So it's a bunch of retired, some are military, some are just warbird owners who fly like World War II era, P-51s, you know, P-38s, you know, different bombers from the World War II era. And they actually fly in formation next to like modern fighter jets. So they'll be flying in formation with the F-22, F-35, A-10, you know, F-16, which is really, really cool. Um, but for Fort Lauderdale in particular, it was just like a current like demo heritage flight. So it was A-10, F-16, F-35, and F-22, which are the four single ship demo teams in the Air Force. Um, and this was our last show of the season, right? So, you know, the A-10 time demo pilot shift, it was his last show of the year. All the other teams, you know, we'd been traveling to a lot of shows together. And so it's kind of like, let's go out with a bang. Um, so we had the C-17 demo team actually with us as well at that show. And so they uh, took all the public affairs officers from each team up in the back of the plane. I put on a harness. I was literally leaning out the back door over the coast of Florida. And, you know, the ramp opens up and there's like all four demo teams right out there flying. So I got my camera. I'm taking photos. I'm doing video. Um, and then at the end, you know, they, the shot that has done, like everyone's seen on social media. Now they went and pulled up next to the side door. So the C-17 has a ramp and then it has two side doors. So the team like lined up in formation there. And I got just an incredible shot of all four demo teams in a line. I think one of the first times ever, especially at Fort Lauderdale like that, which was amazing. Um, it was cool to like go out with a bang, like doing that, but yeah, another awesome aerial shoot. And when you're up there, you know, it is exciting, but a lot of the time, like it's stressful from a photography standpoint. Cause like, you don't get these opportunities like a lot. And like, I had to make sure the cameras was good. Like I was doing everything I needed. It's not easy to take photos in a C-17. It's super loud. It's super bumpy and shaky. There were people like getting airsick on one side. Like I'm trying to communicate with the pilots too. Cause like they were too close with the lens I had. So I'm like, scoot back, scoot back, scoot back, like up five, down five. Like it's crazy. So it, it happened really quickly, but, um, but I got the shot. So that's all that matters. <laughs> that is all that matters. I, I have to say that that's fantastic. And like you said, to see the four teams or five teams, yeah. including the C-17 right, yeah. demo team, um, all in the one place at the one time to go and do, like you say, go out with a bang. And that's absolutely absolutely amazing but it moves us on to the next thing then of, of you didn't just get to look at fighters flying around the place you've actually had the a, a spin in a t-38 yeah i have um and so yeah that's another cool thing about the air force academy too i should mention when they're there you can actually have the chance to to fly in different fighter jets so if you want the opportunity to you can maybe get a backseat ride in a, in a t-38 and f-16 they want to give cadets like the experiences of what it's like to fly to see if they it's something they're interested in, right? Just where I was at, I didn't have that chance at the academy, but at Langley, we have T-38s there. It's part of the aggressor squadron, so they simulate like enemy aircraft, and they're the ones training against the F-22s. <laughs> People always laugh. They're like, how do you put in T-38 against an F-22 and call that training. But what they do is they'll send like six or seven T-38s against like one F-22. And you know, that's kind of how they level the playing field. But yeah, one of my buddies, um, Josh Burge, he is a uh, captain in the Air Force and he flies the T-38s there. And um, just from, you know, knowing their squadron and being public affairs, like I was able to get a ride um, with them, which was crazy for several reasons. The first reason is when my dad was going through pilot training, he flew the T-38. Um, and the ones they have at Langley are like the A models, like the first generation, first block. So they're like, no kidding, the T-38s from the 60s. So when I was walking out there to my flight, I noticed the tail number of the one we were flying. Um, and I did a social media on this post. was like one number later than the one my dad has in his photo and pilot training like framed like that I saw all growing up. So like mine was 938, his was 937. 
which was crazy. I mean, like he probably flew that same exact T-38 when he was in pilot training 30 years before. So I was in that plane, like just thinking about what it felt like for my dad and like just how crazy and like how much respect I have for fighter pilots in general. I mean, it is, it is crazy what they put their bodies through, what their training is like. I mean, it kicked my ass. I'm not going to lie. Like that thing was incredible. We were pulling G's. We were like going upside down. We were doing low level flying too. And it was bumping. I was like, oh my God, I'm so thankful I didn't become a pilot, <laughs> but it was like an incredible opportunity. And, you know, I may have a chance to do it again in the future. I'm talking to a few different people, um, but we'll see. Cause like, that was crazy. Like I went home after that and I slept for like the next 24 hours. I was just like drained. I absolutely love it. And what is for, for people like yourself, um, not many people will get a go in a fighter jet, let alone a, a T-38. What is it like to, to be in a pull G and, and the takeoff? Is, is, is that particularly fast? or? Yeah, so for me it was because we got approval from, from the tower to, to do like an unrestricted climb to 10,000 feet. So when the, when the jet's turning on, and I can only imagine what this feels like in like an F-15, F-16, like F-22. Like you can like heal, hear the afterburner like engaging, right? Like T-38's got two engines. Like there's a lot of thrust going on there for a small airplane and, and you just, you just rip across the ground and then you pull straight up. And so we're pulling, you know, not even that much, probably like three or four G's just on takeoff. But if you've never felt three or four G's, like it's a weird feeling it is a weird feeling. And it was just blasted straight off. Like, I think in like five to 10 seconds, we were at like 10,000 feet. Like it was crazy oh. fast. It was crazy <laughs> fast. And like the ground just disappeared from below. Um, yeah, if anyone, you can, I made a whole YouTube video on it. You guys can watch, which was, which was pretty cool to film. Um, but yeah, the G's are crazy. The power of a fighter jet's crazy. It just, it literally and physically took my breath away. <laughs> Brilliant. And, and you, you had a moment, I think it was on the last break to, to land. <laughs> where The lunch didn't quite stay down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I knew I always got motion sick and like, I would bet like a majority of people like, and I've seen him fly. We just flew a, like a celebrity in our last flight in Fort Lauderdale. And that guy came out with like a whole bag of puke. And this dude's like a UFC fighter, right? Like, it's just a feeling that if you haven't experienced it before, like good luck, right? So I knew I was probably going to get sick, but I didn't want to like, let me, I like, that wasn't going to mean I wasn't going to do it. Like I knew I might be uncomfortable. But yeah, so I was doing okay for most of the flight, but they always say it's when you're heading back that's the worst because that's when like, even like flying straight and level on the way back because that's when everything catches up to you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean like, I'm still kind of mad at my pilot, Josh, for doing this. Like we're turning on to final and like, I mean, I know that they have to kind of do a hard turn to position for landing at the uh, at the airfield at Langley, but he like freaking just like full like stick to the side. And so I was just like, just kind of rocked and I was just holding on like for dear life and that that sent me over the edge so I'm like you know what like I'm out like here we go and so yeah definitely threw up a little bit there but um no shame it's okay <laughs> no not, not at all I, I was yeah. gonna say most of the stories I, I've ever heard even right, right. people flying in fast jets is that very rarely someone will land without a bag of stick in their hand or something like that and <laughs> yeah exactly are, and even second flights that I've heard of have been where they've come down and been like, nope, got sick. So yeah. no, nothing to be ashamed of there, Sam. <laughs> so then you went on from that uh, to, we, we come back to your, your jump course that, that you did. Um, what made you want to go and throw yourself out of a perfectly good airplane again with the wings of blue? That's a great question because I didn't mention this. I told myself after I did my five jumps, after my freshman year, I was like, I'm never doing this again. It just wasn't like... 
I don't know. It was amazing. It was exciting. But like, I was like, all right, I've done it. I'm not doing it again. Like it was super scary and it was just a weird feeling. But I'm the type of person that if an opportunity comes, like I don't want to regret it. And so I had a lot of friends um, that were on the jump team at the Air Force Academy. So they were actually on that team that helps, you know, train cadets and they travel all around the world. They go to air shows, they jump into football games, that type of thing. So my friends down there told me, they're like, hey, Sam, like we can, you know, if you want to do a tandem with us, you know, we can make it happen. So the F-22 demo team, we were doing like a recruiting visit to the Air Force Academy. So we were just down there to talk to some cadets, you know, talk a little bit about the jet, about different career fields, that type of thing. Um, But we had like one free day. So I was like, you know what, let's do it. So I went down there and I did the ground training, got fitted up and it was crazy because I was supposed to jump at like nine in the morning, but because the winds were a little rough, I ended up jumping like at like noon. So I was just sitting there for like three hours, just kind of like, oh yeah, let's get this on. Let's get this over with. But yeah, I mean, it took me back for sure. I remember I got, I got in my harness. The thing differently this time is I was strapped to someone, which was kind of interesting because you don't have a parachute on. It's just them. You know, you're going up there without a parachute and you actually strap into them like when you're at 10,000 feet. So I'm getting on this plane in a harness with no parachute, not even strapped to anyone when I first get on, which was crazy. But um, I guess, you know, I, I said, hey, like this is meant to be. Um, the guy that uh, was, was doing the jump, my jump master was... Um, Sergeant Wild, like that was his last name, which was so fittingly appropriate, right? What a name. Wild, yeah. But he was amazing, and I just strapped onto him, literally, and uh, flung myself out of the airplane, and that was crazy. We went for from like 14,000 feet, so we got like a good like minute of free fall. Yeah, I got another YouTube video on this if anyone wants to watch it, and it was an amazing experience. The views are unlike anything else, and we spiraled down and I was like, man, now this time, I think I can confidently say I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> that was it. That was it. <laughs> that's that's such, such a cool story because um, I didn't realize that you said after your five that you were never going to do it again. Then <laughs> fast forward four years later. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? I also said I'd never fly in a fighter jet again, yet I'm trying to see if I can get I'm talking about a, a few opportunities there. So I don't know what's going to happen. I guess I should probably just not say anything. I love it. It's very addictive, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, you, it, during it, you're like, I'm not doing this again. But then after, you're kind of like, all right, that was kind of cool. You know, maybe I should do it again. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. And then you had, not not too long ago as well, your, your opportunities so far, Sam, have been amazing. I've got, I've got a list of them here. But you, you had an option to fly with the U.S. Army um, and go and have a look at the site of New York from one of their helicopters. I did, yeah. So we were out in an air show in New York, upstate New York. Well, I don't know exactly know what they call upstate New York, but let's say it was like two hours north of the city. Um, so kind of close to West Point, the military academy. And they had an Army Reserve squadron out there who flies like Lakota helicopters. And so it was the last day of the show. And they said, hey, you want to come up and do a little tour? We need to do some training anyways. We'll take you around New York City. Now, if you've ever been to New York City, like it's all like rare. It's like costs a lot of money to do like a helicopter flight. And so, like, it was crazy. I mean, I got briefed up on some safety stuff, hopped in the back, and then before I knew it, like, we were literally flying low level, like, through the Hudson River, like, past the, you know, Empire State Building, Staten Island, Statue of Liberty. Like, it was it was incredible. Um, definitely a highlight for sure. And then on the way back, they had some gas to burn, and they needed to, like, you know, they got to justify their flight somehow, so they had to do a little training. So we did, like, some low level, like, tactical training, like, weaving in and out, and... 
I was just like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. But yeah, I think, I don't know how many people have got the, uh, to ride in a helicopter through New York, but I'm probably one of the few that have gotten to do it with the U.S. Army. So it's crazy. It's absolutely fantastic. Like, like I said, your, your career so far has been absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. Um, so my, my next question is probably going to be a tough one for you to answer, okay. but what is the best aircraft you have flown in? That's a good question. I've gotten to fly in a lot, actually. So um, obviously, I've been in pretty much every heavy and like every tanker ever. So like C5, C17, um, you know, I did KC-135s, KC-10s, like all this type of stuff I've flown on. Obviously, like I said, the T-38 at the Academy, I did gliders. But you know what? One of the coolest things that, well, you know, I've flown in like older stuff too. So I flew in like you know, like a vintage, like T6 that the Navy was using wow. way back in the day. That was amazing. Um, almost had the chance to fly in a P-51, but it ended up falling Whoa. out. So I'm, hope, I'm hoping I can do that because that will probably be my answer. But you know, what? one of the craziest experiences I'd say is I was in Arizona for a air show. This was literally the first show I ever went on. And um, they have C-130s there. It's like a spec ops, so like special forces type of thing in the Air Force, like pararescue jumpers, that type of thing. And they were doing a pararescue, like what they call a combat search and rescue demo. And um, what also was happening is the Wings of Blue parachute team, the Air Force's parachute team we've been talking about, they were jumping in for the national anthem to start the show. And kind of at the last minute, like that morning, their Wings of Blue parachute team asked if I could come to take photos of their team jumping out of the C-130. And I'm like, sure, I'd love to do that. Like, I don't know what a C-130, like what it's like to ride on it or like how to take photos on it because this was my first show ever. But I was like, yep, I'll do it. So I remember getting on the C-130, which is a really cool airplane, by the way. Um, And I noticed we're about to take off. And everyone on the C-130, like all the jumpers, all the PJs, all the, like everyone, are like kind of strapped in like leaning 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 to the right and i'm like hmm, what's going on we're just taking off like you don't need to like actually brace for takeoff well i quickly found out that we were doing like a combat takeoff which is pretty much like a vertical climb like in a c-130 so all i know all i remember is like they pull up everyone's strapped in kind of smiling at me like they know what's going on and i go flying i'm like tumbling through the back of the c-130 like literally like we're pulling there are probably some g-forces going on so like i can't physically like get up because like we're like taking off and everyone's like laughing at me and like i just felt like such like a newbie like i was like oh man like i'm supposed to be this like f-22 demo team like officer and like i don't even know what's going on so that was crazy but the story doesn't end there because the jumpers jumped out and i'm like oh i got some good photos that was amazing like time to go back and land no because we're doing this combat search and rescue demo which i didn't know about until i'm literally out there so we start maneuvering, like, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, two A-10s and two, like, Black Hawk helicopters come pull up, like, behind the C-130. I'm sitting out the back in a harness. Like, I was like, what is going on? So, yeah, I mean, I would say one of the coolest things I got to do was riding in a C-130 for a combat search and rescue demo in Arizona that I had no idea I was doing. That was just like, surprise, Sam, here is this. Uh, try not to throw up. So, yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> Brilliant! What a story, yeah. and I love, I love how no one d- decided to warn you either. They were they were like, yeah, yeah let's, let's that's just, yeah, yeah, that's kind of how it works in the military. They're like, hey, we got a spot here, sit, and you don't really know what's going on, and then you quickly find out. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, Sam! That that is absolutely fantastic. So my, my last question for you for you this evening then is is what are your plans for the future? 
Yeah, that's um, that's a great question. So, like I mentioned, like I just finished my last show with the F twenty two demo team. It's been two incredible years. I've been all across the world. Um, you know, and the kind of the one thing we haven't talked about yet was just the, my most rewarding part of being on the team is is inspiring. You know, people to want to join. So, in my job, I'm lucky enough to have like the platform to be able to talk to a bunch of different kids via social media, in person, that type of thing. And, you know, seeing their messages like, hey, Sam, your content, your photos, your YouTube videos you're making, that type of thing, like, you've inspired me to want to join. Like, it's really, really cool. Um, so I hope to continue doing that going forward, you know. Um, finding out here really soon what base I'm going to be stationed at. So wherever I go, like, I'm going to obviously do my job, you know. I'm sure there'll be some amazing opportunities there. But then I'm also going to continue to work on my own kind of social media brand, continue putting out YouTube videos, you know, teaching other people, well, hey, here's why you should join the Air Force. Also kind of just showing my lifestyle. I enjoy making videos. Like I said, I, I enjoy social media and love video stuff. So kind of combine best of both worlds with what I'm doing in the Air Force and, you know, my passions for just social media and video. So that's going to continue. You know, I'm going to go to a new assignment and do something else. That's going to continue. But we'll see. You know, I never know where things are going to take me. I don't think super long term. I have no idea. So we'll see. just follow along, I guess. Hopefully it'll be a, a fun ride for everyone involved. I love it. Absolutely brilliant. If any of my listeners are, are interested in, in finding Sam on uh, on social media, it's, it's Sam Ekholm. Uh, and you'll find him on Instagram and uh, YouTube and check out his videos. Some of the stuff we've spoken about is there and on his Instagram. So please, yeah, do follow him. Sam, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. Yeah, thank you so much, Mikey. I appreciate it. I hope uh, you know the F-22 gets over to your neck of the woods so you can see it. And you got to text me after you see it, whenever that is, 10 years from now, 20 Text me, shoot me an email, be like, that was amazing. I want to hear it from you. <laughs> I will indeed. Sam, thank you so much. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks again.